Hey everyone, I just wanted to disclaim this week is a very heavy topic. Trigger warning, the topics this week include very detailed talk about mental health, depression, and suicide. So if those topics are sensitive to you, I would suggest listening with caution. And if you're good to go, then continue on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Unconventional Gal, Forging Your Own Path with me, your host, Cherokee. Very excited. So for those of you that are watching me on YouTube, you will probably notice that I got a massive haircut. I got many massive haircuts. I cut many hairs off of my head, and I am very excited. I announced it on Instagram today, and people seem to be very excited about my haircut. If you would like to see my haircut, check this out on YouTube. My YouTube is just the cherry doll face and you can see my super sweet haircut and my pretty new hair color. Um, yeah, it's been a minute. I know I haven't been doing these as regularly. I promise I am still making podcasts. I just do not have enough time to make them as regularly as I used to. I also now have this sweet microphone contraption that my beautiful boyfriend has set up for me. So anyways, I'm excited this week because I'm doing a topic that uh, I've wanted to do for a long time and a lot of you guys have asked about I did make a YouTube video a long time ago about mental health specifically for me about depression because I do suffer from um, pretty bad clinical depression really bad seasonal depression and this is about the time of year that my depression starts to kind of come back with a vengeance so I thought this would be an appropriate time to release this podcast. But before we get into my main topic of the week, I'm excited because I haven't done a book club review, Cherry's book club review, in a while. So this week, I'm actually reviewing A Discovery of Witches <laughs> by Deborah, Hark Deborah Harkness. Harkness. I'm reviewing this book this week. It's a, actually a series of books that I read a long, long time ago, but I just recently started watching the series with, uh, with James. He is really, really into it as well. If you like if you like any kind of fantasy, anything, um, it's basically witches, demons, and vampires set in modern day time. There's a little bit of time travel. The costumes are incredible. Uh, the story is incredible. Um, I'm talking about the show right now, but the books are probably one of my favorite series of books I've ever read. It's just a trio. There's only three of them, a trilogy, you would say. And there's only going to be three seasons of the show because there's only three books. And... The books, it's so hard to explain because you say witches and vampires and demons and you think like Harry Potter. It's not cutesy. It's not, mm, I don't know. It's, it's just a really good drama that just happens to have fantasy involved in it. If you are a reader, I would highly suggest reading this book or these books rather. You can't just read one. You have to read all three of them. You have to know what happens. And um, yeah, I just thought it would be appropriate too because Halloween is upon us. It is coming up quickly and uh, what better way to celebrate Halloween than to read a book about witches, vampires, and demons. So there you go. Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. Please read. Please let me know if you read it, what you think. If you have already read it, let me know if it was also your favorite trilogy of books. So now that we have that business out of the way, this week we're talking about depression. I wanted to address mental health. I've wanted to address this for a long time because I know that, uh, you know, not only do a lot of the people that follow me deal with mental health issues, I just think 
humans in general deal with mental health issues. And I think that mental health is something that was not talked about for a long time. So a lot of people thought that they were alone in their mental health struggles, whereas now it's more things are coming to light. It's kind of hard, you're hard pressed to not be able to throw a rock and hit somebody that has some sort of mental health issue, whether it's anxiety, depression, bipolar up into, you know, extreme forms of narcissism and borderline personality disorder. And um, there's just a lot of them, a lot of them. I know I've talked about it before on my podcast, but I used to work in mental health. I used to be a drug and alcohol counselor. I did that for a few years in my early 20s. That was what my first degree was in. So not only do I struggle myself with mental health issues, but I also have studied a lot of mental health issues and um, worked with a lot of people you know, with varying mental health issues as well. So one thing that I like to avoid, the term I like to avoid using is mental health illness. I don't like to consider it an illness. I don't think it should be considered an illness. I always say issues because it's just, um, you know, it's just something different from the norm. So I don't think of the struggles I have with mental health as any kind of sickness or anything wrong with me or that I'm broken in any way. I just consider it that I have more of a challenge when it comes to my mental health versus people that don't have the same, you know, mental health situation that I do. It's a struggle for sure. I just don't like to call it an illness. So you won't hear me say that in this podcast at all. You know, I will kind of use different terms to describe it, but yeah, just the, the illness word just kind of rubs me the wrong way. But, you know, it's like, you know, people that are differently abled, you know, used to be called handicapped. And now that's not an accurate description. And even disabled is becoming a thing of the past. And so I think mental health is kind of going in that same way where uh, we're thinking about it in different ways. And we're progressing in the way that we address people with mental health issues and the way um, we think about mental health issues. It's also funny, too, because I read a lot of historical fiction and just a lot of history in general. And the way that they described mental health, it used to be called hysteria. (laughs) I mean, even up until like the 60s, like a woman that had any kind of mental health issue, whether it was, you know, simple depression or anxiety or postpartum or even like a psychotic break, they would just be hysterical. They would have hysteria. That was actually a that was actually a diagnosis. It wasn't just like, oh, you're being hysterical. It was literally like, you have hysteria. You need to be treated for hysteria. So it's just interesting to see the history of mental health. If you are are, are interested in history, as I am, um, researching mental health through the ages from, I mean, from Roman times to the Dark Ages to the Middle Ages, um, up through even 50s or 60s when we had, you know, what they used to call insane asylums, which is a really beautiful term for people (laughs) and you know electroshock therapy and you know even back in the day before they really knew what mental health was when they thought people were possessed by demons because they probably more likely were schizophrenic and hearing voices and those voices were not demons they were you know an imbalance of chemicals in somebody's brain so uh highly suggest anybody that, that is interested in mental health to do research just over how mental health has progressed over the years over how things have been diagnosed and i'm sure you know in another hundred years the things that we consider norms or really progressive now will be really regressive then as well who knows who knows where the the future of mental health um, support and diagnoses will go hopefully in good places i feel like for me I started struggling with my own mental health when I was a teenager, so 25 years ago. And so it's been interesting 
for me personally to see through the years how just the the way people react and respond has changed because it's become more of a norm, which isn't a bad thing. I think feeling like you're not alone, and that's another reason why I'm very vocal about my own mental health struggles on my social media because I do get a lot of feedback when I talk about my own struggles from people that are like, wow, I thought I was alone in this, or wow, you like really nailed how I feel, or you really nailed the description of how I feel. I Like I said, I did a YouTube video kind of about mental health, more about depression and how to, um, there was a a section in it about how to sort of deal with somebody that is struggling with their mental health when you are not and you don't understand it. And I got a lot of feedback from people that that was helpful. So I think it's just really important to keep talking about uh, mental health. How many times can I say mental health in one podcast? I wish there was a ticker. I wish I had the patience to put a ticker on my YouTube video but I don't, so I won't be doing that. But I am going to be saying the term mental health about eight million more times. I'll probably start getting you know, more into depression specifically, but anyways. So not only am I going to talk about mental health issues in this episode, I'm also going to be talking about suicide. This is something that I haven't addressed a ton personally. I think I did one YouTube video a long time ago, maybe like 10. Ooh, ow. I have a little pimple in the corner of my nose. I just went to itch there and it really hurts. Aye, aye, aye. Spicy meatball. Anyways, I think I did a video like 10 years ago about briefly about suicide. I don't really remember what it, what it was about, but it is something that has touched me very closely recently. And it's kind of what prompted me to really finally want to do this mental health podcast because um, it's something that I have um, not only dealt with personally, but as in in my own shoes, you know, my brain being suicidal, but also recently somebody close to me kind of went down that path. So I gave it a few weeks so that everything I was feeling wasn't so fresh. So hopefully I don't cry today. You all know that crying in public via video or podcast is probably my least favorite thing to do. So I'm going to make sure I don't do that. And I'm also wearing fake eyelashes and liquid eyeliner. And I'm planning on taking pictures of my cute self after this. So the least crying I can do, the better. And hopefully um, none of you guys are crying either. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break. And we're back. So yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit about my own struggle first. I have depression. I have clinical depression, but I would consider my depression more towards seasonal depression. So I do battle with it year round and it's worse some years and it's better some years, but pretty much every fall, my depression gets bad. I used to think it was because of living in Oregon, because the cloudiness, the summer was over. I still deal with it here. So I don't know if it's just Um, my brain is in the habit of that time of year. My chemicals get out of whack. I think the holidays also make it worse because I have a lot of trauma related to holidays. So I think maybe that also is like maybe a subconscious thing, reason it kind of flies back this time of year. That being said, um, my depression never really goes away. It just gets more intense. It's always kind of in the background. There's days where it's kind of like, music playing in the background where there's days where that music is really quiet and you just forget it's there. Like it's there, but you forget about it. And when you think about it, you're like, oh, yep. mm -hmm, Yep. I can still hear it. It's there. And then some days it's like your front row at a Rammstein concert and like there's no escaping it. 
So that's kind of how I feel about my depression. And there's certain things that trigger it and make it worse. Alcohol always makes it worse. Alcohol is a depressant. My lovely boyfriend, James, he does not suffer from depression as I do, but he suffers from really bad anxiety. And drinking will actually cause his anxiety to make him feel the symptoms of depression. We call it PDD, which is post-drinking depression. We also talk about PTD, which was post-tour depression. Um, a lot of people also experience it after they're finished planning a really big event, like after your weddings. A lot of people, the day after their wedding, will get a brain chemistry crash or a brain chemical crash, serotonin crash, because you've had all of this excitement. And then once it's over, there's like nothing that's sparking your brain and sparking those feel-good chemicals. So yeah, my depression, there's different things that will spark it. And then obviously, you know, if there's hard things going on in my life, it makes the struggle a little bit more. It makes the volume on that concert a little bit louder. Um, seasonal, for me, the seasonal thing, I just know. I, I used to struggle. I used to fight against it and try to get it to go away. I think that's the one main thing I can tell anyone that suffers from this or anyone that loves someone that suffers from it and they don't understand it. You can't force it to go away. You can't make it go away. One thing I can tell you is that I have never been on medication. So I do not have an experience with what medication feels like, what it does, how it helps. Um, if it turns the volume down completely, I don't know. I haven't had that experience. So I can only really speak to my experience with you know, mental health issues and, and depression. Without medication, I can say that it's something that never goes away. And the more you try to fight it, I think it, for me, the more I try to fight it, the more frustrated I get. I'm a frustrated crier. If I'm really frustrated or annoyed at something or I can't fix something or I'm just like frustrated, I cry just out of that frustration. And I think that's similar with my depression when I try to like fight it and be like, fuck, like why can't I just feel better? And I just, mm, and I get mad and I get frustrated and then that makes me more upset. And it's just like a, it's like a, ball rolling downhill gaining momentum it's like those old cartoons of like a snowball that starts like this big at the top of the hill and then by the time it rolls oh this big sorry people listening to my podcast like the size of a golf ball um and then by the time it rolls down the hill and collects all the rest of the snow it's like the size of a I don't know my arms completely outstretched so that has been my experience with trying, you know, to, to deal with depression. You just can't fight it. So for me, when I start to feel it creeping in, as I do right now with fall coming, I just ride the wave and I, I just consider it as waves. And I, I use this analogy in my YouTube video when I talked about depression, but I always think of my depression, like when I'm in a phase of depression, I think of it as being in a tunnel. And when you're in that, the center of that tunnel, it's really dark. You can't see the entrance and you can't see the exit. And it feels like you're just trapped in a dark room that you're never going to get out of. But you keep walking and you keep walking through that tunnel. And eventually you're going to see a teeny tiny little like crack of light. And then it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until you get to the end of that tunnel. So I always think of it, you know, to keep perspective for me, like I think of it as like I'm riding a wave through a tunnel and it's gets really dark and it gets really bad but I just always think in my brain like there's always an end I know there's always an end to the tunnel because I've done this for 25 years it never goes away it's like driving down a really long freeway where it's like tunnel 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 like you're just gonna hit those tunnels your whole life but you're gonna get out of that tunnel and so for me I just think like I feel really shitty right now there's nothing that's gonna make me feel better I'm just gonna like coast through these moments do my best and try not to like cancel events and try you know try not to just like sit in bed and wallow 
if you need those days, you need those days. I have those days too, for sure. But I just always think of the end of the tunnel. Like there's going to be that day. There's going to be that day you wake up and you just like, oh, okay. Like I feel, I feel a little better today. And you're not going to feel completely better, but you're just going to feel marginally better. And that's when you start to see the light at the end of that tunnel. That's, that's kind of how I personally perceive my own struggle with my own depression. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know what it's like to have anxiety. James has really, really bad anxiety. And for him, you know, it might be, it might be a different struggle. And I also know for him, his, his bursts of anxiety are usually shorter lived versus me. Like my depression is long bouts of it with his anxiety. It's like, like my peaks and valleys are very, um, more like a wave and his are more like, like an audio file, like, or like a heartbeat, like big ups and downs where his anxiety really ramps up and he has major attacks and then he's totally fine for a while. And then, or he'll have like five days in a row where his anxiety is really bad. So, um, you know, we all deal with mental health different. It feels different to all of us, but I just think if you can figure out an analogy for yourself to, to remember, to put it into perspective, whether it's the wave analogy or a tunnel analogy or like whatever that is, to keep it in perspective, it feels less daunting. It feels less insurmountable because the more you tell yourself, this is never going to end. I'm never going to get better, quote unquote better. Not that you're ever going to get better, but you're never, you know, if you tell yourself you're never going to feel better, um, then you, you're not going to because it's very easy to give in to that brain chemistry. And for most people, mental health issues are brain chemistry. That is why medication helps. It's, you know, a problem with your dopamine. It's a problem with your serotonin. It's um, people that have done drugs for a long time and then stop. They have imbalances in their brains. Some of it is drug-induced. Some of it is chemistry that you're born with. Some of it, you know, people that feel bouts of depression can also be from life experiences. Like if you've gone through death or trauma or things like that, it might not even necessarily be brain chemistry. But uh, for me, it's definitely brain chemistry and situational things can trigger that chemistry. But I, I just tell myself like, it's not me. It's not my life. It's this. It's this thing in between my ears that is doing me dirty and I just have to ride it until it gets, feels, starts to feel better. But one thing that I do really want everybody listening to remember whether you suffer from this or not is that you are not broken you don't need to be fixed and if you are with somebody that is suffering from any sort of mental health issue please don't approach them like you're going to help fix them because that will only make them feel broken no matter how good your intentions are i had a relationship for a very long time with somebody that did not understand mental health issues and he always wanted to help he always was like how can i fix it how can i help you and it made me feel more and more broken and it made me turn more and more into myself because I just felt like he didn't understand and I felt more and more broken. And then I felt more and more like I was a burden on him and a burden on us. And it's just, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. No matter how much you think, how much good you think you're doing, you're not. So chill with the, the fix, Mr. Fix it thing. Um, and everybody needs different things too. Oh yeah. So back to the medication business that I was talking about before. The one thing to remember if you do have mental health issues Make sure you find a doctor. So if you're getting prescribed medication from a psychiatrist, make sure that you're also getting prescribed therapy because medication was never meant to be used 
without therapy. It's meant to be used in conjunction with therapy. So if you're on, I mean, uh, anything, uh, Xanax, I mean, even like anti-anxiety medicines, if you're on Zoloft, if you're on lithium, if you're on any drug from depression to anxiety to bipolar, any of those medications, they should be used in conjunction with therapy. So make sure that you're doing the work too, to work through your issues on top of putting the chemicals in your brain to help your brain. Like I said, I don't, I haven't done the medication route. I definitely do the therapy route, but if you do the medication, you should also be doing both. And also make sure that you're looking at the side effects of the drugs that you're taking, because sometimes the side effects are worse than what they're helping. I was actually just on this medication. Crazy story. I'm having sinus migraine, all these issues. So they put me on Singular, which I'm like, Singular, I see ads for it all the time. It's like an asthma medication. Well, we're in the age of COVID right now where you don't, I don't get my medications from a pharmacist. They just send them to me in the mail. And so my dumbass didn't read the little booklet that comes with that says like side effects. I was just like, Singular, it's whatever, it's fine. So I was on it for months and months and months. And um, I've gained some weight recently. So I was like, I wonder if that's a side effect of Singular. So I went and looked at the side effects. Weight gain is not a side effect. That's just me not taking care of myself. But one the top number one side effect was hearing voices. And I realized that I had been hearing voices, not other people's voices, but I my own voice was having thoughts that weren't my own. Like I would be like driving down the street and I'd be like, there's a blue rubber band in the back of my house. Like, I mean, I was like having thoughts that were like, not anything that I would have been thinking about or seeing. And it was in my voice, but like a narrative in my head that wasn't my own. And I immediately stopped taking Singular. But that's a thing. I mean, any medication you take, you want to know the side effects. But especially with um, medications for mental health, SSRIs, antipsychotic medication. And you need to know your interactions too, because a lot of them you can't mix with alcohol or other drugs or even other medications. So just if you go the medication route, please, please, please be very careful and do lots of research. And also too, it's really important to build yourself a support system. Few people can do it alone. And I don't mean you need 800 people to pat you on the back and tell you you're great, even if it's just one person. When, when my mental health is really bad, my support person is James. He's really my only support person. I don't talk about it a lot with other people. And I have a therapist. So I have Susan and James. Those are my peeps. And, you know, not everybody has humans that they're close to in their life. And that's okay. You can just build a support system of professionals if it's maybe a psychiatrist and a psychologist and, you know, if you do some some outpatient treatment or um, if you go to AA or a support group, like any of that kind of thing, it's just important to have other humans in your life to support. And it's really important to have other humans in your life that understand, that aren't going to try to fix you, that, that haven't dealt with mental health issues themselves. I find myself, so when I was talking about the mental illness um, bit in the beginning, I find myself fighting against saying mental health problems because I feel like that also is like antiquated. So you'll, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll probably see me stutter in trying not to say mental health problems. And then also make sure that you, you know, for some people just having personal support, like having a a partner or a best friend or whatever is fine. Some people really need that professional help. So please know when the personal help, personal support isn't enough and you need to see a professional. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're broken or you need to be fixed by a mental health professional. It just means that the issue that you're having is greater than yourself and you need somebody that is trained to be able to help you to the get to that, the tunnel light again. I want to talk about a little bit 
talk a little bit about suicide now. This is going to be a really long podcast. I apologize in advance, but sorry, not sorry. I guess I haven't been doing them very often, so a long one probably will be nice for, for, for y'all. I myself have had moments of suicidal ideation. I find my brain when things get bad, not that I am like, well, I'm just going to kill myself, but my brain thinks in the back of my head, well, if it gets really bad, I could just kill myself. It's an interesting thing because I, I don't consider myself suicidal. I don't want to die. I'm not planning on killing myself. But I just think like, well, if this and this and this happened, or if this got really bad, well, that's fine. I could just kill myself. Like in my brain, it's always an option. It's never, that's never going to go away. Is it normal? I don't know. What's normal anyway? I don't think that I would actually ever kill myself. I don't think. I can't say I wouldn't. But like I said, I, there's no plans in doing it. Definitely when I was a teenager, I was closer to that line, 100%. Um, I've never actually attempted. I just, I don't know why, just never did. Um, I've had friends that have attempted and have been successful. Somebody close to me very recently attempted. And I think those of us that are survivors of loved ones that commit suicide or attempt suicide, there's this, this, this very like overwhelming attitude that suicide is selfish. And that's kind of what I want to address today because when you are suicidal, in your brain, you are being selfless. A suicidal person is never just thinking, this is the best thing for me and fuck everyone else. That is not what you are thinking when you are suicidal. When you are suicidal, generally you're thinking, I'm a horrible piece of shit and the world would be better off without me. And usually you're in such a low that you feel like you've been a burden on everyone around you for a long time and that you can't get out of your funk and that you're the one that's always sad and always bringing everyone down. And you just think, if I just wasn't here, everyone could just get on with their lives and I wouldn't be a burden anymore. So to say that suicide is selfish is actually putting more of a burden on people that are suicidal. Um, so I think that's one thing we need to stop doing. We need to stop saying because it's just untrue. And yeah, suicidal people do have kids and they do have partners. I think... If you do commit suicide, the way in which you do it can be a bit selfish as far as who is going to find you. Like if you kill yourself in your house and you know your kid's coming home from school and they're going to be the one to find your brains on the wall. Oh, yeah, maybe you should have like been a little bit more thoughtful in that way. But also who's to say what moment you were in right then and you just did it without thinking. I mean, I, I can't say. I haven't, I haven't been there. I haven't been there with the gun in my mouth. So, um I just think that's a, it's just an unfair judgment to place on people. But I do think, not that I condone suicide, but I do wish that more suicides were done in more of a thoughtful way on who is going to find them. Because not only is it hard to live without a loved one after they've done that, but then living with the pain and the panic and the fear of being the one to either find somebody already gone or being the one that tries to resuscitate somebody that is um, dying and being a loved person. It's one thing to be an EMT, 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 
EMT. <laughs> ENT is an ear, nose, throat doctor. Um, you know, a paramedic or something. Nobody wants to be in that position, but at least that's a stranger to you. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's shitty. It's shitty all around. It's, suicide is shitty for everybody involved, but it's the mental health problems that are the root of it that are the, sh the shitty part, really. And, you know, some suicides, too, come from drug abuse, where the person is probably completely in their right mind otherwise, but they're on drugs that are telling them that they need to do this horrible thing. It's, you know, lots of bad things happen when people are, they, people murder and I don't do all kinds of bad things. Let's not go down that dark road here today. If you suspect that somebody you love is suicidal, please always listen to that cry for help. It might just be for attention. And if it's just for attention, it means that person really needs attention because suicide isn't something, um, that should be taken lightly on either side. You know, I know that there's those situations where it's like, if you ever leave me, I'll kill myself, you know, but somebody in their right mind wouldn't have those thoughts to start with. They wouldn't make those threats to start with. So I also think that we need to get over that, like, oh, they're just being overdramatic when somebody is threatening or hinting at being suicidal. There's so many resources these days. There's um, this, the suicide hotline, which I will put in my show notes. It's an 800, I think it's an 800 number um, for anybody that might feel suicidal, especially people that do not have support groups. It's a place to get resources, to talk to somebody, um, to talk to people that are trained in crisis counseling. You know, there's also 5150 holds. It's psych psychiatric holds for people that are a danger to themselves. And I think, you know, there's, there is a school of thought of like, well, if you're suicidal, it's your own life. You can do what you want to do. Yes and no. I think that, you know, we're not, we aren't, we shouldn't be the ones making the judgment call on that. Somebody might be suicidal, like I said, that is on drugs or that has, you know, that is in a manic swing in their bipolar. You know, that if they were, of a balanced mind, they wouldn't be suicidal. And, you know, there, there are lots of cases of people that have tried to commit suicide that failed and that were stoked that they got their life back. And then, of course, you know, there's cases of people that try to kill themselves 18 times and all they want to do is die. But, you know, it's not, our, it's not our place to make a decision on whether that person really wants to die or not or whether they should be able to die or not. We should, we should be the ones to, to get people resources and get the help they need. And then it's, you know, up to them what they do from there on out. But I just think it's really important to listen to your friends and family if you feel like they're crying for help. And also, too, if you are a, um, you know, a victim of suicide, your loved one of somebody that has committed suicide, please know it's not your fault. There is nothing you could have done to help that person. You know, it, there's always the what ifs, what if this, what if that. Yeah, what if I won the lottery yesterday? I wouldn't be here making this podcast right now. I'd be out buying a mansion. There's too many what ifs, but you can't, you can't live by what ifs. And there could have been eight different people that could have done something different that could have led this person down a different path. But it also doesn't mean that they wouldn't have ended up right exactly where they, where they did in, in the, in the suiciding. So yeah, if you are, a, if you are a loved one of somebody that has done that, please, please, please don't go down the, the road of, I could have done something different. I could have saved them. I could have helped them or, or it was my fault. And there have been situations of people that have, you know, killed themselves that have left notes that have blamed people. There's never one person to blame for that. And usually if there is somebody that is blamed, it's just somebody that's hurting or somebody that's really angry in that moment. Um, it's never one person's fault. It's never one person's fault that another person decides to take their own life. So please um, let go of the guilt for that. It is a 
Um, in this situation, it is a useless feeling. This podcast is pretty long. I'm contemplating cutting this into two podcasts, which I think I'm going to do. So <laughs> I'm going to make this a two-part podcast. So next week or maybe the week after next depending on my upload schedule. But the good thing is, since I am recording two in one go, that means that they will come out regularly instead of once a month. So please review my podcast if you have not already. I really, really appreciate it if you're on Apple Podcasts. I think you can review on Spotify now as well. If you would like to see this podcast full and unedited and see all my hand motions and see how big the snowballs were that I was talking about, please watch it on YouTube. My YouTube is at the Cherry Dollface. If you want to submit questions or stories for future podcasts i already have my questions and stories for this one because i'm about to record the second part right now but for future podcasts please follow me on all socials i am at the cherry doll face and um yeah so next time i will go over your own personal stories with suicide um whether you're uh suicide and mental health sorry i my brain is so in the suicide thing now that i forgot that this is actually a podcast about mental health and depression and suicide but I will go over your personal stories with mental health and um, with suicide. And I will also answer your questions. I have a bunch of them. So I think this would be better left for a second episode. And also in the next episode, I have another Cherry's confessional to start with. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's all she wrote. So thank you all for listening. And uh, to be continued with the rest second part of my mental health episode and don't be an asshole and until next week here's me waving like a maniac bye guys